0: Good morning, church. The Bible reading this morning is taken from 1 Samuel, chapter 1, 1 to 19. At the end of the reading, I will say, this is the word of the Lord. Please respond by saying thanks be to God. 1 Samuel 1, 1 to 19. There was a certain man from Ramathaim, a zoophyte from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, and Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, Bohada, and had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas. The two sons of Eli were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he will give portions of the meat to his wife, Peninnah, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once they were finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, George. Good morning, George. Morning. Ah, thank you very much for <laughs> personalizing the response. Um, so let's just start like this way. Some of us, um, when they gave birth to us, before they gave birth to us, or when they conceived us, you know, the pastor told them, you know, they told us that you're a promised child, you know, like special. This child is going to do great things. He's gonna become a president. He's gonna become a governor. Um he's gonna do you guys should be careful with how you treat him. Don't let him eat anyhow. You know, don't let him go, don't take him out after I give birth to you, don't take him out for like three months or six months, just stay um cover him up, don't let any old woman come to touch touch the shawl or the cut, the thing that cover the bed, and all that. I can't remember. They said some of these things about me when I was when I was small. <laughs> so and then when you start going up, they'll be some all kinds of things. People will just come see, yeah, I knew it. Like the way will, look at the way he holds the feeding bottle. <laughs> There'll be all kinds of things. Some people will say, eh, this child, my child, he started working after three months. He started do you do you think do you think normal children just go up and just start working like that? Great child. So all of those things happened. And then, if you are here today, you're not looking at yourself and <laughs> <I> say, wow, <laughs> I didn't really, you just discovered that you're not even living up to the hype at all. In your house gone, no, you're not even presiding over your wife. <laughs> like, ordinary promotion, you can't even get in your office. Not now. talk if you want to become governor want to become. So you're not living up to the hype. For some of us, we know that we are not promised children. We know we are not special. <laughs> <laughs> like we already know. Your parents will tell you something like, um, when you are this child, maybe you overheard them, you have to drop while they were in the room together. There's just something about this Sunday this of a boy. Everything about the just problem, when we conceived him was a problem, when he carried his belly, when he carried his child was a problem, everything was hard when he came. He has not brought anything good. So I want to relieve us this morning. We are all special children, right? <laughs> no matter how you started, you are all promised children. But Uncle Yemi did something for us last week. Uncle Yemi said, how do you know if a child is really cute? <laughs> I remember, remember the, the analogy gave us. So how do you know if a child is really cute? So he said something like, um, if you come to your baby, and you look at the baby and say, wow, this child is so cute. Beautiful child, they know that the child is cute. But if they come and they say something like, uh uh-uh, uh, this guy's eyes is like the father's own <laughs> or why is there not growing at the back of his head? Then you know that the child is not probably fine. So I want to give you my own. So <laughs> so how do you know that a child is special? Are you ready? How do you know that a child is a promised child? First of all, the one guaranteed sure way that you can know that a child is special and promised is if the child is in this series, that are treating. <laughs> 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 or how many people in the world celebrate the birthday of that child? <laughs> you that is Facebook, give for a Facebook reminder. <laughs> Some people will never know that you exist. It's, ah, today is Toki's birthday. Ah, Toki, i have so I cannot miss it now. I cannot miss it. I have never missed your birthday, you know. That kind of, it's Facebook reminder. So last week, we started with one very special child, one promised child, Moses. So we said that's the birth of the first prophets. So we learned that Moses was saved at birth. Moses was saved for sending. Moses was saved by blood. So Moses was not just... Special in himself, Moses' specialness, Moses' uniqueness was because his life and his work pointed to the life and work of Christ. Right. So today we are looking at another special child, another um, unique individual, um, Samuel. So the title of Samuel is the birth of the last George, Samuel. So, <clears throat> in three parts, we are going to look at it, um, because. This Samuel, actually, when you read First Samuel, really 1 Samuel, Second Samuel, First Kings, Second Kings, they are all referred together as the Book of the Kings. Like you have, for a long time, they used to call um, First Samuel First Book of the Kings, Second Samuel Second Book of the Kings. So you just talk about the kings. In First Samuel, there are like three major characters: Samuel, um, Saul, and David, right? But then there are like three other minor characters. So, it's like, a book about heroes. a book where you can learn for learn about people's life, their example, and all that. So there are the other three minor characters. So one is Anna, one is Eli, and ah. Eli. 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 Yeah, Eli is the So Anna, Eli, and ah. Forgotten the third one. But there's a third minor hero. So, Anna is one one person we're kind of looking at. We're going to look at the life of Samuel through the life of Anna this morning. So, the first point is Anna struggled before the birth of the last judge. Second point Anna prayed for the birth of the last judge. Third point is Anna sang after the birth of the last judge. So, the first point Anna struggled before the birth of the last judge. When, you, when we start reading that text in verse one, um, what you see is what you see in verse two. Rather, is that there was verse one to two. There was a man named Elkanah, Elikana, like um, Uncle B pronounced it, Elikana. So just they are going to be saying all kinds of all kinds of names. Just don't let that hinder you from receiving what God has for you this morning. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: So there was a certain man from Ramathaim Zophar, blah, blah blah and all that. See, the man's name is Elikana and that this man had two wives. So one was Anna, and one was Penina. So let's even just stay there for a bit. Two wives. So the way theologians and communities see this, this man probably married Anna first, and then he now went on to marry Penina. And that time, many people did. Many people had polygamous marriage. So not like the Bible approves of polygamous marriage. In fact, they say that. Everywhere you find polygamy in the scripture, everywhere you find polygamy in scripture, every person involved, the life of every person involved is miserable, total miserable. Like, just name it, look at all of them, miserable. So, the Bible or Christianity does not approve of polygamy. But let's even look deep into Anna's life. So, how many of us can stand polygamy? How many of us grow up in polygamy? Some of us grow up in polygamy Muslims here, right? How many of us can stand it today? Polygamy. How many of us can stand it? Obviously, no. Um, some of us cannot even stand um, the interaction of the maid with our wives in the house. Some of us can do the interaction of the maid with our husband in the house. You know, like, ah, you're always watching, asking us, where are you going now? Or what's happening? Indirect ways to ensure that things are not going on between your spouse and the maid. Or some of us, is as bad as you can't even let um, You can't let a woman massage your your husband. Like, you want a a male masseuse to massage your husband. You want a female masseuse to massage your wife. You know, we can't even stand it. So polygamy is never, ever a good thing. But the second thing we see is that um, Anna was loved by her husband, Elkanah. And then this love made Elkanah, anytime they went up to um, Shiloh for... Um, for, for sacrifice, for, for, for this particular um, thing they do. Um, he gave Anna feasts. So he gave Anna, <laughs> so he gave Anna a double portion of the meats that he used for sacrifice. Penina, he just gave Penina normal portion, Gave Penina all the sons and the daughters. But he gave Anna a very double portion, because he loved the woman so much. And he said here that he loved the woman so much, why, because um, the woman did not have a child. He loved her so much, because the woman did not have a child childlessness. And you must understand that it's so different from today, or it's different from 10 years or 20 years back, what it means not to have a child. I know today, some people still, in some, certain cultures in our country, it's still a, a thing of shame. It's a thing, of, um, it's a thing that is a shame that people degrade you for. But it was worse in that time. Because in that time, if you had, if you had a child, the more children you had, it meant that you could make more money. Because it was an agrarian um, economy. Everybody lived off farms. So if you had many more children, it means that these children could help you work on the farm and help you plant more, harvest more, and then make more money. So that Anna did not have, meant that economic security was in danger. The second thing about having children in those times was that four out of every ten children died, like did not make it, they did not grow up. They died in their early years. So, you had to have a lot of them, you know, as early as possible. You start having them so that you can increase the chances of the number of children you have, you grab. And then, not just that, it is that at that time, because there was no pension, there was no 401k, there was nothing like gratuity, there's nothing like that. So, what it meant was that by the time you grew old, the people that will take care of you are these children. So if you had many of them, it meant that you know, some of them will do, some of them will not end, some of them will disobey you, some of them will not agree with you, some of them will treat you the way you treated your own father. You know, some kind of <laughs> so, so like that. So you had to have a lot of them. So Anna did not have that. She didn't have a child. And this woman already amassed children, sons and daughters. That is what um, the writer said. Another thing you must see about this is you know, when you have children in your old age, having children in your old age around is not just, for, um, not, for just, not just for this economic and financial security. Also, the emotional attachment, what it brings to you, know, having children around you that will just care for you, that will just be there. Now you can't mingle with the world as much as you used to. So, you need people who really love you, people who you sacrifice yourself for, and who can be around you. So, Anna was not going to, the way it was going, she was not going to have that. But another thing about children was, you see, the way they fought was in that time. If you had, or if you had, maybe people would have quarrels, and like the way they to settle quarrels, you just come out with all of your idyllis and just come and fight the other people. So maybe perhaps that's why the Sammy said that, blessed is the man who had his quiver full of them. Full of them. But maybe not. I'll tell you my correct me after. So what happened was that in the time of war, so, this, so you had more children, or there's a quarry are going to fight. You had a lot of these children who can come and attack the other people. So for military reasons, very important, significant. So you see what Anna was lacking. I want you to see this. That's why I'm painting the picture. You see what she was lacking economically. You see what she was lacking emotionally, socially. You see what she was lacking. And then not not talk of the status that it gives. See, women that had more children were heroes because, like, you are a great person if you had more children. They rated women by the amount of children that they had. They were not valued just in themselves. They were valued by the number of children they had because the, the men owned virtually everything. So what the women could really produce were the children. So they valued them. So Anna had no value. Mm-hmm. Anna was worthless. Mm-hmm. Then this was because because Anna Anna was really Anna was really in a bad place. And this was this was what made it worse. You find out later on in the in the um, in the chapter, you find out that Penina. Um, so <clears throat> verse 6 says, Because the Lord had closed Anna's womb. A rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. So you see, this Penina, the other wife, did not just leave her the way she was. You kept bringing it up, kept bringing it up, kept bringing it up in every kind of way. Don't send my children anywhere. We know if you watch home videos or if you grow up in, eh? if you grow up in, um, if you grow up in a polygamous, you know, don't send my children everywhere. Oh, you want to poison them? Oh, you want to use them? Do you know how to take care of children? Or oh, those stylish ones? Ah, Anna. You're just passing by, um, when Anna is doing something. Ah, Anna, you're tired, though. But who are you going to send now? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's
1: life. Um, or something like, uh, and can just be chilling around. And then you just, she would just something like, ah, man, my back. I'm really scared of Odejo. Joe. But uh, thank God I have people that will be there for me. Anna, you won't call. <laughs> Those kind of vibes. Um, though she knew that Elikana loved loved her. Oh, you can even tease her and say, uh, it's his love you are going to his love that is going to take care of you in your old age, Me, I know, you just take the love, take the love. But me, I have people that will, that will take care of me. You know, when I was young, I mean, you see Anna, maybe for instance, another one. I don't know why I'm just enjoying this. So, <laughs> so it sees Anna. Maybe Anna is baking. Oh, Anna is knitting. And it just says, Anna. Ah! And I used to do this thing before. Until I, you know, God gave me you know, more important, bigger things in life to manage. But you can, right, since you don't have any better things to, to handle, you can keep on knitting and keep baking. You see the vibe? So, this woman must have been pestering Anna over and over and over again. Like so badly because the word used there was provoke. Mm-hmm. He called this woman a rival. How many of you remember that? In a Yoruba Yoruba that I read one time. Motola and Said Balogun? no rival. Mm-hmm. How many of you remembered it? Yeah. That was that was a very yeah, that was a very good one. Um, <clears throat> Footnote. So, <laughs> knock this woman, knock this woman repeatedly, knock this woman with every opportunity. They used to go up to this feast every year. He says in verse five that year after year, verse three and um, verse, he said year after year she kept provoking his woman. Year after year, verse seven, rather. He said this went on year after year. Who knows how many years? Year after year. So if she had sons and daughters, a lot of them, and Anna was married first, and then this went on for year after, for years after years. That means this must be a very long stretch of time. So uh, some of us are be thinking, um, you know, because of children, yes, yeah, I see. But that was, that was that time. You know, nobody can be doing that kind of nonsense now. Like today, who wants to, to amass children? Am- who wants to gather? Who wants to build a football team? Who wants to, you know, have that kind? Nobody wants that kind of stuff. Everybody managing it. You know, especially when you know school fees, like Pastor Femi said one time, is the best contraceptive. You know that you can't be doing that in this economy. So nobody will tell you. Um, you know, you can have, if you have the number of kids that Penina had, you probably not even be able to afford homeschooling. <laughs> it will even be too expensive for you to do. You no, know, no, it's a serious thing because I was I was chatting with someone yesterday, and there, there are people who even had just a few number of children, and because of this whole thing about you know they want their children to have certain citizenship, blah blah, so they send their child abroad, they give they send their wife abroad to give birth to the, to the children. What uh, to the child, and the child gets the Canadian or American citizenship, so the woman still the to, to come back. But some of them are still paying the, the money that they borrowed to send the child, tell the woman to go and get the, this thing. So it's very tough. Imagine your child is a Canadian, and then they're sending him home from school for school fees. You know how bad that is, A American citizen. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but there are other things. There are other things that the peninas of this world can dangle before our eyes, can irritate us with. It. Because even the word irritates, as they say, you see, the word irritates is not that, Anna, that Penina was just getting on the nerves of Anna. No, that's not the kind of word. You see, irritates here, the Hebrew word, it means roar. It means storm. It meant that the way Anna was so boiling in her heart, in her mind, Anna was crazy. Anna was, was you can't describe, was roaring with vexation, anger. Pain. So, and today, for us, it might not be kids, it might not be children, it might not be family, but there are other things that are dangled before our eyes by the culture. There are things that make us, even when people do not nag us, there are things that make us nag ourselves. You know, there are little things, there are big things, career, marriage. Oh, your stories still remain on your blog. All your stories you've written, the best of them, still remain on your blog, still remain on your personal computer. Nobody has refused to publish them. You keep saying them out, keep saying them out. Everybody keep getting rejection letters, keep getting rejection letters. Or oh, all your friends keep getting funding for their startup, and here you are. You think your idea is better than theirs. But it's not, it's not it's not harming. You're, you're not. So in the eye of the culture, and that is what's all your reference, and that is what's um, that is a social capital. That is what means that you have something in society or in your own garden, or your own clique, where you're not getting it. Or for some of us, even if we don't say children, we can say marriage. Just, even if it's just married with kids, if I, don't, if I don't get kids, you know, what, it doesn't matter. But I just need someone that I can love. I need someone that will be there with me to the end. Someone that can even be there for me when I'm old. Common marriage I cannot have. And so these things make us worried. These things make us troubled. You see, in verse 15, it says that Anna was deeply troubled. In verse 10 and 8, Anna was weeping bitterly. In verse 8, Anna was downhearted. Verse 10, in deep anguish. Verse 7, Anna was not eating. In verse 11, she was in misery. In verse 18, she was downcast. In verse 16, she was in great anguish and grief. She was in maybe not physical pain, but emotional pain. But the kind of emotional pain that does not make you eat. The kind of emotional pain that does, make, does not make you sleep. That keeps you worried at night. Those things, whatever they might be, that make you worried, troubled, thinking at night, saying, ah, I want to break somebody's head. Oh, I want to break my own head. <laughs> and this went on year after year. So I want us to really consider this morning. I think, you know, as we're thinking, this x season, this is Advent season, is a season where we are longing for something, we're hoping for something. But as the year is running to an end, we have had expectations. We had ambitions. We've had plans that we set at the beginning of the year, or between last Christmas and this Christmas that I have not met. You, know, you, are, you are still being excluded from those, from that group you want to join. You're not being invited. You really discovered this year that you don't really have friends. When things happen to you, you really discovered, ah, all these people I thought were my friends are not really my friends. You broke up with the person you've already planned to marry. You know, all this kind of stuff. Your parents do not still accept the dreams, the things you want to pursue, the job you want to do, what you want to study. So those things get us troubled. Those things get us weep. Those things get us it. We are longed for those things, but they are not being satisfied. We're in the place that Anna was. But Anna did not stay there. Um, the second point is Anna prayed for the birth of the last judge. So the first thing we see in this second point is the way Penina dealt with Anna and the way El- Elkanah dealt with Anna. You see, Penina told Anna that, "See, you don't have children. You are nothing. Like you don't mean you nothing in this family. You are nothing in this society. You are nothing in this world. You don't mean anything. You don't have children. Like what? Who are you?" So he wanted Anna to base her worth, to base her esteem. He wants Anna to be placed in children, in family. But look at what Elkanah did. Elkanah, he tried to console Anna. So Elkanah said, uh-uh. Anna, why are you not eating now? Anna, why are you not sleeping now? Anna, why are you downcast now? Anna, why are you wailing? Because it's not just weeping, it's wailing in Hebrew. Why are you wailing now? Why are you downhearted now? And see what he said. He said, don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Don't I, me, okurimeje, okurime mewa. Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? Can't you see? Can't you see that? Can't you see that you mean everything to me? Can, can't you my love for you? Can't like I give you double portion every year. I take you out, I t- take you around the world, I I give you can't you see? Can't you see that I mean so much? Is am I not enough for you? And this is after the guy, my second wife. <laughs> <laughs> I will cross. I'll cross the rivers, I'll cross this, I'll cross this provided there's no traffic. <laughs> <laughs> so you see that kind of stuff. These kind of acts that he had. <clears throat> and we see this in our society, we see this in our, in our climb. Where, oh, so you can't get the babe. The babe is what you're hoping for, you're longing. This is the year, this is the year of babe. My year of babe. <laughs> so you can't get the babe. So what do you do? Okay, it's not working. It's not clicking. My wife is not responding. The engagement is broken. I will just focus on the app. I will develop this app. I will work. It will be the maddest app. I will get funding from Y Combinator, from this tech, from that, from all the. Pl- I will. It will be. This baby, she will come. She will come <laughs> running, begging, and I will not do it. I will treat her like acrimony. i mean, it's using acrimony. What's the modern movie? Yeah. It's acrimony. I mean. I will treat her like acrimony. And I, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm lost. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. So in the movie shot, the woman shot came back after the guy blew, and uh, he didn't know how to collect the guy. Uh, but it's longer than that. It's a movie. <laughs> so, so I would, I would, I would, I would, work so hard. It's not work. I work so hard that she come back begging. So what if that does not pan out? So it's okay. There's no app. There's no the startup. Is not booming. I did not get the funds I want. Um. Um. <clears throat> We resort to something else. Or for some of us, okay, it is not the baby, it's not this. I can't wait until I, I, I'm not getting the married. I've kept myself pure. I've kept myself holy. I'm not having premarital sex and all that. But I've waited so long. I'm not having it, man. Something else. The culture su- suggests something else for you. You go on YouTube or you go online, and it pops up. I say, so why can't you? Why can't you avail yourself of this? It's pornography, that you set too for so you can't have this. Can't you see what this can mean to? Can't you see that I can satisfy it? Can't you see that I can feel those desires? Can't you see that I can meet that hope and longing that you have? But you see, all these things are all trying like Elikana They are all trying t- just to make you ignore the longing that still remains, the longing that cannot be satisfied, the hope that cannot be met with all these things. They're just trying so hard. They are not really, they sound as though they are good, like Elikana They sound as though they are genuine, they sound so sweet. They sound so real, but they do not really meet down deep. They are not real and true. And so some of us, or some people, would we now, we now try to look outside ourselves. So if all of this is not working. I look outside myself for hope. And sometimes we even look to the church. <clears throat> but I also look at something. Look at verses 14 and 16. Verses 14. In verse 14, um, in verse 14, when, so Anna, Anna got, in, Anna got inside Shiloh to pray, and then she was praying, and Eli, Eli, Eli um, looked at her and said, because she, she was praying, she was praying, she was praying quietly. She, she believed that God heard her thoughts. She was praying quietly. So Eli looked at her, oh, what, what kind of woman is this? They've come again. Like, this woman is drunk. This woman is not, this woman is drunk. This woman is not, you, you know what? You know, you know, Elikana, Told Anna that Anna was not eating, that Anna was not drinking. You know what Eli told Anna that she has drink, drunk too much, she has eaten too much. That is a problem. Why? Is, what, what are you doing here? You see, Eli, who was meant to be the high priest, was censorious, was, was not discerning enough of Anna. He was meant to be a leader. But if you go to verse three, you understand this. In verse three, it says that when they came up to Shiloh to every year. He said, "Where Ophni and Phineas, the two sons of Eli, while priests of the Lord, see these guys were terrible guys. These two sons of Eli, terrible guys. In chapter two, verse twelve to thirty-four, these guys did all kinds of stuff. So you know this meat that Elikana um, used to give um, his wives and the children. So what these guys would do is normally the, the practice is that um, the practice is that you'd they'll put the way he sacrifices or they'll put the, the meat." On a pot on the fire, to a is steam or a light fry. And after a while, what happens is the priest will come and then just place his spoon or his tongue inside. Whatever uh, his tongue pick. you just stick. That's how it's supposed to be. But this guy say, No, <laughs> we can't do that. That's, that does not pay us. So, let us take from it when it is raw. They want to take from him when it is raw. Like they will cause for me. That was one of the things that were there, against the law of God. They didn't stop there. What these guys will also do is, they would, they would stay at the front of the temple or at around the tabernacle, and it's recorded in that chapter 2 verse, to 2, that they slept with the women that came to pray. They slept some of you, sometimes like a woman like Anna that came to pray, like a woman that came to see God's face. They slept with women over and over again. These were leaders. These were priests. These are people that are supposed to be pastors. These are people that are supposed to watch out for the souls of people. Even Penina, you know, they went up to Shiloh every year. This person that was going to Shiloh every year, this same person was the one that was acting as a rival, provoking and irritating a partner. Hope did not come from outside. Hope did not come from those who are close associates. And so for some of us, we said, okay, and uh, yes, and so, or some person here may have not even been going to church for a long time, um, or you're not even a Christian, and partly because, you know, you've been going to church for years, and you said, see, this old church in is a scam. This old church thing, pastors just use people. This is not the first time I'm hearing about X-mas or Advent. This is not the first time I'm hearing about Jesus. Nobody today. It's all scam. It's all, they don't, they're all the same. And Anna is in that same condition. But we'll move quickly. You see what it says in verse 9. He says, Anna refused to listen to Elikana anymore. Anna refused to listen to Penina anymore. Anna refused to lie down and just wallowing in self pity anymore. He said, Anna stood up. Anna arose. Like prodigal, prodigal son arose. It means that Anna decided to be active. Anna decided to do something. Anna decided to not to be passive any longer. In verse 10, it said, Anna prayed. In verse 15, we see that the kind of prayer Anna prayed was the kind of prayer that is written of in Psalm 42, that Anna prayed poured out her soul, poured out her soul. It meant that Anna prayed from her heart to the heart of God. Anna prayed sincerely. Anna prayed without holding back. Anna prayed a particular modest prayer. She asked for something particular. He said, give me a son. Anna prayed in the middle of the grief. She didn't wait for the grief to subside. She didn't wait for the grief to go. Anna prayed while she was in the midst of this deep anguish, great anguish and grief. Anna prayed. And kind of pray, Anna prayed. You see, Anna said, I'm going to read it out exactly. Anna said, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. Lord Almighty, if you would only look on your servant's misery. She was personal with because She knew this God is big, mighty, sovereign God. Israel revered him. They traveled all the way down every year to come worship him because that's what he commanded. But he said, if you will look on my own misery. You see, Anna showed extraordinary faith in God. She was saying, I know you, God, can care for a rural, barren, worthless failure of a woman like me. I know you are great and big and sovereign, but I know you can also be personal. See, he's asking God. He said, do not forget me. Remember me. You see, the, story of, the stories we find in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel over and over again shows that God cares for ordinary people. God cares for the downcast. God cares for the barren. God cares for the people that are thrown away. God cares for ordinary people. You see, when he says there was a man in Ramathim, in Ephraim, um, a Zufite, son of Tawu, of Zuf. Nobody, nobody knows them. They are nobody in the lineage in the history of Israel. But that was the family that God had chosen to visit, to deal with. That is the family we are talking about that has been preached about this morning. God cared for Anna. That is what our prayer showed. But only see what he said. He said, Give me a son, and I will give you the son. That does not make any sense. She needed this son badly. This woman is still nagging her over and over again. Nagging her badly. Give me and I will give you. You see, this is prayer is not like, and this is not what it means. It doesn't mean that, so God, sovereign and personal God, Ajah to, um to, um, is far. It's far. Aja to is far. God, you know what I've been going through. You know, you know how hard it is. You know how many years I've been on this road. I've, I've been following Prosper. For 10 years, Prosper moved to Lepeju. I've been following uh, uh, Olumide. After Prosper left, for five years, Olumide too moved to Bagada. Lord, when will you give me my own car? See, if you give me my car, I promise, I swear, I will always be carrying people to GC. Every time. If you give me this house, I would dedicate one room for pastor. Pastor can just come there. Any summer, everything is just for pastor. Every time. Just, if you give me, just try me. Try me. I think it's as, it's as if you're expecting God to say, wow. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, sign me up. No, 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 no. That is not the kind of prayer that she prayed at all. That is against the kind of prayer. You see, that is the kind of thing that Phinehas would do. That's the kind of thing often we do. That's the kind of thing most of the men of God that we speak against, that we talk about, the leaders we've said we should not follow, we do. But that's not what God will do. That's not what the sovereign Lord Almighty will do. Let me show you. So he see in verse 18, this is how we know. You see in verse 18, after Anna finished praying this prayer, you know what she did? Anna, who had not been eating, Anna, who had been downcast, Anna, who had been down at death, He said Anna ate and was no longer downcast. That also does not make sense because after she prayed, she had not she had not gone to see Elkanah. They have not done anything. She was not. She had not conceived. She was not pregnant. She didn't get a baby. Even see what see what um, Eli said. Eli said, "May, may God grant your servant's favor." You did not even say that God has answered your prayer. No, you say "May." So why was she happy? Why did she not change overnight? Why did she not change dramatically? You see, when she said, Lord, give me a son, and I will give him back to you for your service. He will serve you all the days of his life. You see, at that time in Israel, Israel you know, Levites were the ones who were committed to God's service. They were people God had chosen. This tribe, this people will serve me, there's no organization. There's no people should give them what the they need. They will serve me. That is how God chose people that will serve him in his house. You see, but there was, there was a caveat that if anybody from any other tribe wanted to be part of this service... That person will become a Nazarite. That person will become, that's what she was saying, no razor will touch the person's head. That person would serve God's house. That person is voluntarily giving himself up for the service of God. That person will be in God's house forever and ever. He will not go to family house. He will not be able to see people. He will not have friends. He will just be God's house. And so what Anna was saying is that, yes, I lack emotional um, stability. I'm, I'm working to my future, it looks as though my financial. When stability is, is not going to happen. All of this is not going to happen. He said, But God, I'm not going for that anymore. Oh God, I'm not going for that. I, I don't care. I don't care. My hope does not lie in my child anymore. My hope does not lie in Elikana, my husband, anymore. My hope does not lie in acceptance from Penina anymore. Give me, I'll give him back to you. Where did that hope come from? You see, you see, it's been about me, now I want it to be all about you. I don't care about the cultural status that a woman with many children um, is the one that is prominent, is the one that is a hero, Oh, I don't care about his emotional status. Now I'm looking for the spiritual, I'm thinking of the theological. You know, see, women in those days, sometimes they remember, and this was what Anna was connecting to, many commentators say, that they knew because God promised Abraham that through his family that the whole earth will be blessed. So when a woman gave birth to a child, Anna remembered this and saying, wow, I'm, I want to be part of this blessing. I want to be part of how you are doing your great work in the world. I want to connect into that. I'm making it less now about myself. Anna was partaking in Abraham's covenant. Anna was partaking in Abraham's promise. Anna was seeing a hope that trumps every other hope that the culture and the people around her were telling her. My question to you this morning is Have you seen how what you are longing for? Have you seen how what you are hoping for? Have you seen how what you are dreaming for? Have you seen how that thing that you don't yet have that keeps you awake at night, that makes your head bang, that leaves you in great anguish, in deep anguish and grief? Have you seen how it is part of God's larger purpose? Have you? Is it still, is it all about you? Is it just for your own purpose? Is it just for your own kingdom? Is it just for your own sake? You see, I'm not promising you that if you try this method, God is going to answer you. You see, that was not what Anna did. Anna did not get a response before she put her hope in God. This is not what we are saying. we are saying is that thing so big, so big, so big, that you will use God to get it. Is God a means to that end? Or is that thing a means to the end of God? And so we see that God remembered her. She prayed that God should not forget her. She prayed that God remember her, and God remembered her. And God gave her a son, and she named the son somewhere. What is the meaning of Samuel? Because I have asked him from God. You see, this is where your people would name their children like to him, Mutoro, Mutoro or something. Mubebe, or Lower lua. And then they will short the name to Beere, or Bebe, or Toro. But it's more than this. You see, it's not about, it is not about Samuel. That brings us to my third point. Anna sang after the birth of the last judge. Let's go to... Um, let's go to chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. 2, verse 1 to 2. You see what she said. Then Anna prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my own is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. See verse 2. There is no one only like God, like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. None. How can I compare children to my God? How can I compare my husband to my God? How can I compare the love and acceptance of my rival to my God? There is none like you. See, this is what she has, this is where she had come to. She had found love. She had found hope. She had found peace and joy in God. These four themes that always popularized around Christmas season. And not in family. She was free. But I want us to go down to verse 10. You see, in verse 10, it says in that same chapter 2, verse 10, it says, you see, she's singing about God. She said, he will give strength to his king and exalt the honor of his anointed. You see, when Samuel became, um, grew up in the house under Eli and grew up to be the um, prophet, you know, Samuel went on to anoint King David, the man after God's own acts to rule Israel. And this man ruled Israel greatly. But it's important for us to see that both Samuel and David, even Saul that he chose before David, these guys did not live up to the hype of promised children. They didn't live up to the full hype. Samuel, even towards the end of his life, when he put his children to replace him, these two boys, jo- Joel and the other guy, did as badly, they did so bad, as badly as, as Ophni and Phineas. Saul, we know how Saul, Saul is the classic. In fact, in all of literature, literature, not just the Bible, just literature generally, Paul is the, one of the classic tragedy stories, like tragedy, one like even literature expert, how his life went like this and came down. What about David? David started very well, but towards the end of his life, we're going to see that this anointed king that Anna was probably referring to, his family crumbled. He didn't and his family were crumbled, the kingdom was separated, was divided in the hands of people that are supposed to follow him. So these guys did not live up to the hype of special children, to the hype of promised children. So what might this be referring to? Let's go to verse 5 of chapter 2. It says, those who were full ayah." hired themselves out for food. But those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. Verse 8. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He sits them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. You fast forward many years, and then you find that these... These lines, almost exactly, we find them in Luke, chapter 1, verse 46 to 55, in what is popularly known as the Magnificent. And who was singing this time? It was a song, another song, another hymn. Who was singing this time? Another woman, another underprivileged woman. This woman who who found herself pregnant. This woman who found herself pregnant without having a husband. This is such an abominable thing in this culture. This woman, if for you to be pregnant outside of marriage, means that you will be cast out. You're cast away. You won't be able to marry anybody. It means that your emotional, your financial, and your security, just as Anna's own, was already imperiled. But then see what she sank after she was. After she, was, after she was consoled by the angel. So, what she sang to in verse 46, she says, My soul glorifies the Lord. Luke 1, verse 46. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. In verse 23, see what she said. He said, For he has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. Samuel. You see, grew in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus also said to have grown up in stature and in favor with God and man, but Samuel did not live up to his eyes. See, Christ is the only promised child. Christ is the only promised son that lives up to the billing. He says Samuel was the baby who became a judge, but Jesus was the judge, the eternal judge, who became a baby, dependent, helpless baby. And so he does not cast you away if you are barren. He's not casting you away today if you are helpless. He's not casting you away today if you are hopeless. He's not casting you away today if you are poor and needy. If you've been cast away from your clique and your circle, he's not casting you away because he had come in that helpless, dependent form. He came. And today... If you trust in Him, it may not always bring you out of that situation the way you want. It may not always grant you your hopes and your longings and your desires fully the way you want them today. But He is coming again. Christ is coming again. He's coming again to judge. He's coming again to put all these things right. Christ is the final judge who would make all things right who would totally and completely fulfill all our longings and our hopes and our desires he's the one we should trust in so this morning i'm calling us in this season of advent as a time where we don't just marry and party you know as we are counting down towards christmas we begin to say oh these are my longings, these are my hopes these are my desires that have not been achieved that have not been fulfilled and to put our trust in him who can satisfy us, who can fulfill us.
0: Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.